Welcome to Toffee Believe You, your source for all things Everton. I'm Jerry. I got Paul here. You may remember him from last week. And also with us is a guy who has the same last name as Paul. It's a pure coincidence, right? It's, it's just... No, it's his brother, guys. They're, they're related. And it's awesome. This is a first for, for the Toffee Blues YouTube uh, podcast action. Terry, uh, Terry writes for the uh, Liverpool Echo fan jury. And, yeah, just like Paul. They, they're just very similar brothers. Paul, uh, uh, Terry, how's it going, man? Yeah, it's going good, man. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Yeah, I, I see you on Twitter all the time. This is literally the first time we've spoken, though. It's pr- <laughs> pretty awesome. Uh, looking forward to it. Paul, it's great to see you again, man. Welcome back. Thank you, man. Very glad to be back. So Paul and Terry are here. We've got the uh, the brothers tag team happening, uh, but we we do have a packed show. Despite the fact that it is the uh, the, the off season, uh, we got a lot to talk about. Um, so for the podcast people out there, here's what our show looks like. We're going to do a little bit more of a focused transfer session in which we discuss William Car- William Carvalho and James Madison. Okay, and there's a new rumor just came out. Got to talk about that briefly too. Okay. Uh, see how I teased that and I gave no information? Yeah. That's right. It means you gotta, you got to keep watching, keep listening. Uh, next, we're going to do a World Cup preview. Um, going to talk about the Everton uh, World Cup participants, talk about our predictions, and also we've done a, a sweepstakes where we've assigned the writers from the Toffee Blues uh, website and also the, the, the personalities that appear on the YouTube and podcast stuff. We, everybody's been assigned a team. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to see exactly who gets fortunate. I'll give you a hint. Probably not me. Um, lastly, uh, Kuman's best signing. We're going to talk about what players Kuman signed and how many of them are still sticking around and uh, which one actually represents best value, that sort of thing. So there we go. On with the show. Uh, transfer focus. I'm going to start by talking about the most recent rumor, left back from Hertha Berlin, Marvin Plattenhart, who I am not familiar with very much at all, I've got to be honest. But the more I dug, I realized I should have been, because he's actually on Germany's national team. He's on their World Cup squad, all right? Um, Probably second choice left back. Uh, He's in a lot of teams of the season for the Bundesliga. So, guys, do you know anything about Plattenhart at all? It's only broken today, I think, on the day of recording, the the link. So I've only read struggle to find even YouTube clips of him, which is quite strange considering he's in the Bundesliga. But uh, the one thing I will say about him is he's got tremendous hair and beard game. So um, that's enough for me sometimes. Now, um, (laughs) it's good to see links to that position just in general because all the links we're getting at the minute, not none of them so far, apart from maybe Frank Fabra, have been um, left backs. And I think that is the first position that the club need to be looking at in the summer. So even if even if we don't know much about him at this point, just the fact that the club are looking to identify players in that area is encouraging. Yeah, and I did mention a little update uh, last time. Frank Fabra tore his ACL, not a possibility for us anymore. So that's the thing. Uh, the only other left back we were uh, connected to is who, Danny Rose. And uh, I, I don't really know of anybody else. So... Uh, 
anyway, this is this is an interesting player. Uh, Paul, what do you know about uh, Plattenhardt? What do you think? Um, played for Hertha, plays for Hertha Berlin, I believe. Is he around 26, 27? So he's in his prime years of his career. He's not some young kid who who's not played a lot of football, and he's not some old older player who's basically got nowhere else to go and is going on the cheap. So I like the idea of being linked with players who are 26, 27, who can just come in straight away if needs be, and they will not be overawed by the occasion. And they're also not so old that they're a case of, well, if they get a run of five, six games, they would probably start to feel the pace in the Premier League. So I really like the idea of bringing in a guy who is right in the middle of his prime years and can make a difference straight away. Now, whether he's got the quality, I, I, I don't know, because I, admittedly I've not seen a lot of him other than the, the clips. Looks like he can hit a good set piece. But I'll just reiterate the fact that the fact that, as Terry said, we are even looking at left-backs is a big, big win for us. We need a left-back. It's a, possibly the most important position in the squad that needs to be filled. Leighton Baines is getting up there in age. He's not going to be around forever. There is no one at the club, really, who can go left-back in his position if needs be. I mean, I think we've got one or two kids in the youth team. And I think Anthony Robinson's coming through. But again, other than that, do they really inspire confidence in a lot of people? Not really. So left back is a position that absolutely needs to be addressed in the summer. And it's good to see that we're getting down to business with that very early if these links are true. Yeah, uh, as you alluded to, when you look up YouTube clips, everybody, of Plattenhardt, it's almost all set pieces. It's almost exclusively set pieces. The only like skills, goals video you could really find of Plattenhardt is when he was playing for Nuremberg, okay? Uh, you don't see a lot of actual footage of him defending, uh, which is I find interesting. So, but He's got a, a left peg, though. He's got a killer left peg. Um, can deliver a lot of... I mean, he's really good delivering crosses in. He, but he's not particularly fast, which I find interesting when I think about Silva's game. And he really wants those, those uh, outside backs to bomb forward. And Plattenhard... Uh, I don't know. He doesn't really seem like a fast player. He's quick, and you know, when that first to ten, one to ten yards, you know, that little first little bit. But on like a straightaway, I don't know if he's going to be blowing a whole lot of people out of the water. I I don't I don't even know if he's got as much speed as Sheamus. So I'll be curious to see if this one goes through and see if it matches uh, Silva's game plan. Um, but do am I in favor of this? Yes. Definitely, <laughs> because it means we're addressing. I feel like he's better than Robinson right now. Um, and I'm a huge Anthony Robinson fan. I am. I mean, he's on the U.S. national team. And he's been playing well for the U.S. national team as well. You know, it's been it's exciting. I watched him against France the other week, and he, they didn't score five goals against him. So it was great because uh, I was expecting to lose that 5-0. Uh, but, uh, yeah, anyway, I just think we send – Anthony Robinson maybe on loan one more time, and we bring in a, a more cultured player like Plattenhart. Then Baines can ride off into the sunset, do his thing. But I think he's got one more good year in him because he played well when he came back. So, I don't know. I like this. Seems like you guys like this. And, uh, yeah, people are saying FC sexy. <laughs> like you said, beard, beard and hair game. It's looking good. <laughs> All right. So, Let's move on sort of to the main points of, of, our, uh, of this segment. Um, let's start with William Carvalho, right? Uh, he's 26 years old, so it fits into that same age range that you were mentioning earlier, Paul. Uh, obviously, he's from sporting. Uh, 
plays center mid or center defensive mid, whichever. He, he can play both of those. Uh, so the initial reports were that we wanted to sign uh, Carvalho on a free, clean, or not a free, on a clean transfer. Pay a fee, get the player very clean, and there you go. Because that's the way it normally goes, right? And I think we were hoping to not, we didn't want to, we wanted to get this over with, I think. That's the vibe. Uh, that's what I've been hearing anyway. However, it, it's starting to look like clean's not an option here, guys, because Carvalho, along with several other players, is saying, you know what, we want to terminate our contract because life at sporting is, let's say, tenuous. <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little tough at sporting right now. Um, so it looks like they're trying to terminate their contract, which means initially it would be a free for us if he were to choose to come to us. Uh, however, I, I, would, I think there's a possibility of uh, court arbitration and us having to pay something because of that. Is that correct? Did I read that correct? You guys heard that? Um, yeah. I, yeah. I've heard he's basically ripped up his contract and said to the chairman of sporting, that I'm, I'm done. You'll never see me again. Mm-hmm. I'm not coming back. And I don't really see, see that being allowed, really. I mean, unless he's got a clause in his contract mm-hmm. that if something dramatic were to happen, he's allowed to leave. I don't see Carvalho just basically clearing out his locker and driving in his car and saying, see you later, sporting Lisbon. Yeah, I'm not coming back. I, don't, I do not think it's mm-hmm. going to be that simple. Um, it won't be simple in the sense of oh we'll just pick up the player for a free because obviously legally sporting no matter what happens with the player they're not going to accept that Um, I do think we're not going to end up paying a fee in in the clean transfer sort of route now because if we were I think we'd have done it before he went to the World Cup I think that is why he's not here already because we may have made an approach. We don't just approach. It's not Marcel Brands and their director of football. There's agents involved. There's other representatives. It, we could have got wind that something like this was about to happen. So we're just sort of stepping back and just hanging on for a little bit to see what happens. Now, obviously, it's very complicated if we do end up taking the player and he's bought out his own contract and he's, you know, it, it's not a traditional transfer. But financial fair play-wise, they could see why that would be very attractive to the club because they could bring in a player who possibly had already identified as a target and end up not having to make a huge outlay on the books for him. Just put a lot less money, but in different avenues. So it's the agent, the signing on fee and whatnot. So I think that's why it's dragged on as long as as it has because the club want to see what happens with this whole situation before they make the move. Yeah, well... The what I had heard was happening is Carvalho wanted the club to actually get a transfer fee, and he wanted it to be clean. But if Sporting were not going to be reasonable about the terms, about the fee, then he would think about terminating. And this news of of him wanting to terminate his contract uh, to me just tells me that maybe Sporting was not being very flexible on their negotiation, uh, and so he's ready to, to walk. Uh, I did hear that this makes things a lot more complicated for us in that it's going to take longer, um, more red tape. Uh, however, and, and like you mentioned, Terry, initially on a free, but I think we're paying something at some point. Because um, I've heard people mentioning that Sporting has said they'll sue the player and whoever signs them. 
Um, just a lot of complicated, weird stuff going on. But the situation with, with uh, was it Rui Patricio, who uh, filed to have his terminated, uh, it, was, it was accepted. It was allowed for him to be able to do this. You know, he wrote a big, long letter about it, and, and it was accepted. So I think it's, a, it's legal for them to, to make this happen. But I do think sporting is going to try to get some sort of compensation for this. Because it, it seems like they should, right? I mean, otherwise, they're, they're losing over 100 million euros worth of players here. Which is, I mean, that's a killer. Mm-hmm. Um, however, with what transpired at sporting... You just don't see that in modern football. No. Um, so you understand why the players want to leave, but gosh, that's that's a that's a really rough situation. Terry, you were about to say something. If the situation was reversed and it was we were the club and our players were in this position, even though the players do have a, you know, I do have a great deal of sympathy for the players, considering that you know they haven't just plucked this out of the air; they're doing it for a reason. From the club's point of view, they they must be like, well, no, we we we're a lot, we're going to sanction departures but we want to do it properly so that's probably where the the phrase clean transfer comes from yeah but whether their clean transfer has been something that sporting are looking to maximize the fee or not you know not be taken advantage of and from the player's point of view they're probably a little bit like no that's just i don't want this delay i want it done take whatever's been offered and and move on where the club are probably like no we've we're going to sell you but we're going to get the price we want first and uh, I do think there is some truth to this for the people out there who are saying, well, we don't even know if we're in for him. You know, that's a valid point. I mean, this all could all be. But there have been a lot of noises from some pretty reliable sources. And sometimes it's not even from Everton mm-hmm. ITKs. It's from other clubs ITKs, which I find very interesting. Um, so, yeah. I, so... Uh, if he's if Carvalho is rumored to be tight with Silva, which we've, we're hearing that uh, as as they've worked together at Sporting, uh, and that he does supposedly want the move, so do we? A couple of questions for all of us: Will this happen? And is this actually a good signing for us? Right? Is that does this make sense? So uh, we'll start with Paul, and then we'll go to Terry. Um. I think this will happen. My gut says it will, or it will happen after the World Cup. I think this will be possibly the transfer that drags on throughout the summer, much like Sigurdsson's did last year. I think this will be the one that's not done until maybe... Um, does the transfer window shut early this season? It shuts the first week of August? Or August 1st? Like that. Right before the season begins, right? Right before the season begins. I think the transfer will... I think he'll be our last signing. I see two or three other names coming in first, but I do think he's going to turn up eventually here once the situation with Sport and Lisbon has worked itself out somewhat. Do I think it's a good signing if it happens? Yeah, I think it is because some centre midfield players are going to move on. Schneiderlin looks like he's desperate to leave. I, I don't. I really don't believe Schneiderlin's going to stay. Mo, Mo Bezic, it's very unlikely he's going to stay. I think he will... If he doesn't go back to Middlesbrough on a permanent, I think he... Did enough whilst he was at Middlesbrough to for another team to take a chance on him, type thing. And I think he must be at the point in his career now where he's been at Everton for four or five years, and he's. I don't even think he's played fifty games. If that not certainly not fifty full games, maybe at some point in his career he will say, you know what, it's not going to work out here at Everton. I might as well just 
go, you know, find Pastors new, find somewhere else. And I think that's what's going to happen. So I think Snyderland's certain to leave. Besic is more than likely to leave. McCarthy's injured, so McCarthy's basically going to stick around for the time being. But I wouldn't be surprised if sometime in January, if he's fit by then, if mm-hmm. McCarthy maybe has one or two offers coming in, even if it's just a loan deal, something like that. And I get, obviously, again, Rooney looks like his bags are packed and that's pretty much done. Rooney's going to leave. So, other than that, and again, we're hearing Klassan could be on the move to, to Pesikas. I personally hope Klassan sticks around. But if he does, then there is a very real possibility that we're going to move three or four centre midfielders out of the club mm-hmm. this transfer window. So we need some new bodies. We need Gay's going to stick around, Davis going to stick around, and we need another guy to go in and compliment them. So I think Carvalho, if he were to come, would be the perfect type of player. Uh, personally, you know, he's he's a big guy, he's strong, he's not very quick, but he looks like he can hang on to the ball quite easily. So he's basically another player in the mould of Schneiderlin, and that's. Schneiderlin's basically the player we have to replace because I really don't think Schneiderlin's going to stick around. So best to just hopefully get the business done, move Schneiderlin out if he's leaving, get Carvalho or a player like Carvalho in and just get it done. But I, I, I personally think we'll see Carvalho come play next season. I really do. Okay. Terry, what do you think? Um, I think in isolation, it's a weird transfer to make, a weird player to target because if you look at him, he, the comparison with Schneiderlin is there. He's he's almost like Schneiderlin, but with passing ability, he's not blessed with a lot of pace. He seems uh, he seems quite lazy as a player. He doesn't seem to cover a lot of grounds, even if even at, at his um, his reduced pace, he seems to sort of jog around the pitch. So taking nothing away from his passing ability, he can he can ping a good ball. He's got great vision, but as I say, in isolation strange player to target considering the way we know Marco Silva likes to play but having said that you don't know the full picture some of the sometimes players may seem like strange buys until they all click together I mean I, I, I'm loath to use this example but look at what Liverpool have done they've signed some players and you think where do, where do they fit in and then when all the pieces come together it, it, it works now it could be that Silva has a very specific plan in mind for Carvalho and mm-hmm has a system and a and a setup and a shape that he thinks he fits into but right now with no other players in the door with no no sort of games to go off what we know doesn't we can't really know we can we can assume what he'll be like but we don't really know so and one small thing that's a in the sort of negatives column for me for him is he's 27 which is not a bad age in general but it's a bad age to have broken through young and still be in one of the minor leagues usually they get put the, these star players from the smaller leagues like like the netherlands like portugal they seem to be seem to go to a big league a lot earlier than he has and you've got to wonder why he hasn't he's been linked with a lot of big moves and none of them have come off now they won't all be down to him but you've got to question why that why he hasn't moved to a bigger league sooner so I'm sort of tepid on the move. I'm very lukewarm. I don't. I'm not against it, but I'm certainly not for it. I'm just going to wait and see and see what he, how he fits in the big picture wise. Because at the minute, it's it's a strange one for me. Very mm-hmm. strange one. Do you actually think it will happen? Um, yeah, I do now because the link just won't go away, and the majority of the noise is coming from his end. It's it's turning up in one specific paper here repeatedly not 
famed for its accuracy. But <laughs> that doesn't mean they're always wrong. And it's 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 coming out a lot on the Portuguese side of things that it's the Portuguese side of the press of the press stories are going to be well on top of everything that's going on with sporting in general. So it doesn't sound like they're running a very tight ship, to be honest. They're, all this stuff's coming out. We're not. It's in the press. Everything that's going on behind the scenes, and it keeps coming up that William Carvalho is uh, speaking to Everton, maybe going to Everton. It, right. Marco Silva wants him. Could not be true, but I think at this point it's a genuine link. Whether it happens, not sure. But if you ask me on the spot, yeah, I think it will. I think he'll come in. I don't think it'll be as protracted as Paul thinks. I think he'll be. Uh, I. Just, Within days of Portugal going out the World Cup, I think it'll be wrapped up. There's, I'm gonna, in fact, I'd go so far as to say within a week of Portugal exiting the World Cup at any whichever stage that is, I think our value will be here. I also think it will happen. Uh, agree with both you guys. Um, as far as if this is a good signing, it's gonna sound weird. I'm trying to compare him to another player. You know, another player that has that kind of vision. And may not be blessed with a lot of speed in the middle, but they have a, a decent, decent enough footballing brain to where they can break down play really well. They know where to be, okay. And this is going to sound like a strange uh, comparison, but I, I can only pray that he his game is any is just a little bit like Nemanja Matić's at Man United, a big guy, not the fastest guy in the world. Uh, just very intelligent player who links up well with other players and big, a physical presence in the middle. Mm. Um, uh, I, I can only, I just that's what I'm hoping for if we get him because I, I've always thought that a player like that paired with an Adrissa Gay would actually work well because they seem to be opposites. You know, Adrissa Gay has the speed but has some issues with some of his incisive passes, but. Carvalho would would has doesn't have the speed, but he can actually pick a pass and, like you mentioned, ping those long uh, into the channels to some people making those runs. Uh, I I think I do think this will happen. Um, I don't know if it's going to be the all-out, you know, revelation that I think a lot of people are wanting it to be. Uh, however. I would love the idea of him being able to sit by himself as a defensive center mid right in front of the of the back line so we could maybe roll with two more offensive center mids. That would be nice just to be able to try that if we're if we're needing a goal late to be able to go a little more away from the defense and go more attacking. It would be nice to be able to do that. Uh so I don't know if he's got the speed to be able to make that happen, but it would be nice. Uh, do I think it'll be a good signing? I'm going to say good, not great. I'm going to say it'll be, be all right. You know, good. I'd rather have him here than Schneiderlin. That's the real question. Yeah. Because I think he's better than what we have. <laughs> um, okay. So, I think we're good on Carvalho. So, guys, let's move on to James Madison from uh, Norwich City. I believe he's about what, 21 years old. I believe that's correct. Yeah. Um, the big recent news was that we are prepping a bid somewhere between 20, 25 million pounds uh, for Madison. And there are some news outlets that say that we are the front runners on this transfer. Uh, he's a generally plays center attacking mid, sometimes a center mid. So a 10 or an eight, he can play both of those. 
Uh, secretly, I would hope he would be able to play eight for us so that we could maybe play the same thing at the same time as Sigurdsson. But I don't know if that's really what he really wants to do. Um, and it, So a lot of people have been saying he would be uh, replacing Rooney, which, I, okay. Um, however, there's a lot of other sources, a lot of them, uh, who are saying that he's already he's heading to Leicester. And, I mean, all, all the Leicester ITKs are saying that that's where he's going. Um, and some of them are saying he would be replacing Mares, which I find strange as well because they kind of play different positions. You know, I know Mares sometimes will play in the center, but usually plays on the right. And I don't think James Madison plays on the wing much at all. Um, so, yeah, uh, the only similarity is that both of them have the ability to unlock defenses like on the dribble. Uh, both of them are very skillful players. Uh, and they both get a decent amount of assists as well, but usually in different ways. Uh, James Madison had 15 goals and 11 assists last season in all competitions. Pretty solid tally. Uh, and, and he's got a tremendous shot from range. He's good, uh, good with set pieces. And he's just super confident on the ball. So, guys, having said that, we'll start with Terry this time. Uh, would this signing make sense? Do you think it's going to happen? And if so, will it come good? Um, I do think it'll happen. I think um, I think if it's a straight fight between us and Leicester for the player, now don't want to take anything away from Leicester, but I can see us being a lot more of an attractive proposition for a young player because I know Leicester have had recent success, but historically they, they are quite a small club. And we have got a lot of ambition going forward, which I think will cut the most ice with young players. We're going to hopefully go into a new stadium. We're going to try and you know be become consistently in Europe, we're looking to go after trophies. There's a big project on at Everton, whereas Leicester sort of seem to be just we're fine where we are. We Leicester, for example, wouldn't mind finishing eighth every year, whereas we sacked the manager even though we finished eighth. So I do think it'll happen just for that reason. I think we're a more attractive option. I think it makes perfect sense if you listen to Marcel Brands because every ever since he's come to the club, he's sort of outlined this this vision he has where he wants to sort of build a young team that can grow together with a young manager and ideally he hasn't got as far as to say this but grow into a team that goes into the new stadium. Now Madison fits that profile. He's young. He's um, he he. He's a reasonable price. People think it's a lot because of the number, but not twenty five million now is the is the new ten million from a couple of years ago. So yeah. yeah, that's a lot for a championship player, but I honestly don't see much of a difference in quality between outside of the top six in the Premier League and the top eight teams in the championship. There's the, there is a divide, but not as big as it used to be. So the likes of Jack Grealish at um, Villa, James Madison at Norwich, these young players who are breaking through in championship clubs, it's not as big a leap anymore for me. So I think it'd be a brilliant bit of business um, just because he's a rising star in the championship and he fits exactly what Marcel Brand seems to want to be doing. Young, hungry, wants to make his name at the club rather than has already made his name and has just come into the club uh, because another move didn't work out. Like some players we've had in the past seem to take a lot of Man United players who don't seem to cut it. I think he wants to get away from all that. And 
well, the, the club said it themselves. They want to sort of try and reinvent themselves as the Atletico Madrid of of England, which they've done that for for years. They sort of buy young, develop, and then when if they become too big, they move them on for a massive fee to a super sized club, and then just immediately replace them with another quality young player. Mm-hmm. So I am very up for this signing. Paul, what do you think? We discussed him uh, last week's transfer show. What what are you thinking about him? Um, I I don't see it happening, or rather, I haven't seen anything yet that's going that's led me to believe it's going to happen. I mean, so far the links that I've seen, maybe maybe there have been, but I've only ever seen really the links on social media. And a lot of Leicester in the nose are very adamant that he's coming to them. So I don't really. I haven't seen anything concrete yet that's making me believe, yes, this is going to, the club is definitely in for. For me, it just sounds like a lot of hot, hot air, maybe. If he comes in, I'd be willing to give him a chance, definitely. I mean, he's got a lot of hype around him, as we've been saying. There's a lot of reasons to invest in a player like that. As Terry said, he's he's young, he's ambitious, he's English as well, which goes for the homegrown quota. So, I think it would be a move, if we, if we did get him, I would be I would be very interested to see what he can do because obviously from the championship taking players from there it's always a little bit of a gamble you know for every luckman we get every world-class guy we get we also get someone like i don't know a jermaine beckford some of that a guy who i'm not and obviously i'm not going to say he's going to be another jermaine beckford but there's a lot of players who look really really dynamite in the lower leagues and they're quite young and you think right if we step this guy up at this 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 is the right time for him to go to the premier league and he'll build and go on and on and on and it's not always the case sometimes so if the guy comes in i'd definitely like to see where, where he fits in would he be a starter who came in straight away mm, i don't really I, I couldn't see him starting over sigurdsson in the number 10 position and i don't think he plays out wide so if he comes in i think he would be one for the future very much i don't think we'd be seeing him playing 35 40 games in a season um but until i, I see some i I, I, I personally, my gut tells me he's probably going to end up, he's going to rock up at Leicester, maybe. And until I see something that's very concrete, that makes me think, right, that's, that's a source who I kind of trust. If that guy says we're in for him, then I believe we're in for him. Until we actually hear that, then um, I think right now it's just people kind of wishing for a transfer rather than some, and there really being a lot of substance to it. So overall, do I think he'll come? Probably not. If he does come, I'd be interested to see how he does, but I wouldn't be jumping up and down just based off some doing well in the championship obviously hopefully he as i said there'd be no one more, more happy than me that if he came up from the championship and did really really well and proved to be another luckman you know a world-class player or a guy who looks like he has the makings of being a world-class player who stepped up at just the right time and is ready to kick on with his career now but as again i i to be honest I'm, it's not a transfer that has got me more excited i'm more i've got more excited reading other links with other players than i am with this one so we'll wait and see with this one uh <clears throat> i think there are some aspects of the signing that would make sense uh i i love the as i mentioned the i love the idea of him being able to if he has to play in the center but not necessarily as a 10 that way we could potentially play him with sigurdsson however if Sigurdsson isn't unavailable or if we need a little extra enthusiasm off the bench late in a game, I could see him coming in and giving, you know, giving Sigurdsson a rest and giving us a lot of energy the last 15 minutes 
of the game. That would actually be interesting if he was willing to kind of take uh, that number 10 understudy role for a little while. Uh, I, it would make sense. And as Terry mentioned, it does fit the profile of the type of player that Bronze is looking for, which are those, you know, the idea of having this young group and gradually growing them up together, almost like a family. Uh, and I think he's actually friends with DCL. Um, so this signing can make sense. I, I can justify it, and I, can, and I would be excited about it. I went and watched a bunch of his videos last night. He's fun to watch, man. He's a really fun player. Um, having said that, uh, if we're going to make purchases right now, I want them to be for starters. I want, I want it to be for a player who's, who has the chance of starting immediately. I don't, right now, when I look at our squad, I don't think he starts immediately, which makes me think that he has a higher chance of starting at Leicester. And if he's like a lot of other players, he wants to play. Okay, So that's why I, I do not think this is going to happen. But like you, Paul... I would love it. You know, if we're if we have the ability to be able to make a signing and as long as he's cool with not playing every game, yeah, I'm good with that. Let's do it. Let's move ahead. Um and I do think it would be a good signing. I do think it will come good if it happens. I think it will be, you know, the idea of him working with with Lookman and, and DCL and Davies and in a little while Beningami, who is who is a good young player. Uh, I mean, there's some we we would have a, a huge group of talent that we'd be allowing to marinate together. You know, steep would be nice. So I, I I worry I don't think it's going to happen because for some reason I trust the Leicester sources more than these big vague sources that are putting us with with Madison right now. Um, but again, like you guys, it would be cool. It'd be it, I would like it. Um, so guys, I uh, I think that covers it. I think we're good on our transfer focus segment. Uh, we'll be doing a lot more of these where we focus on specific players. Uh, we did two this time because those were the hottest links. So, guys, I don't know if you heard, there's something happening during this summer uh, called the World Cup. But let's, let's discuss the Everton players that are there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really not many. I actually thought there were more. There's only three. <laughs> Seriously, I I was expecting to see, and it, because we had several players who were like maybes. Yeah, you know, like Onyekuru and Funes Mori and uh, Nias, and these are players. Like I thought there would be a longer list. No, three. But they're three impact players for their for their countries. Okay, so that's I think we could take a little solace on that. Um, England's number one. Jordan Pickford. I love saying that. Feels good. Very cathartic. Uh, I think he's going to I think he's going to have a, a great tournament. Anybody worried about Pickford? Either one of you guys? Uh Yeah. Terry, what do you yeah. what do you think? <laughs> the England goal. You're worried? The England goalkeeper at a World Cup is always a, a very high risk job because how many times have they been blamed or, you know, lambasted in the press because of a goal they should have saved? I uh, I would love it if he got a a, a three week injury in the first minute of the first game, just so, <laughs> so he wasn't in the firing line. Because I've seen a lot of tournaments where the goalkeepers don't come out looking very well. Um, I mean, I'm seriously, I I I think it's going to be massive for his career. 
because you know he's a young he's a young player and he's going to his first international tournament as the England number one. He'll come back stronger, but I am worried. <laughs> I'm a little bit worried. <laughs> Paul, how about you? Are you worried? You can't get away from that fear that something terrible is going to happen. It it's happened to so many England goalkeepers. It's happened to Seaman against in Brazil two thousand two. It happened to Robert Green, most notably, in 2010 against guess which team. Happened to him. Joe Hart was terrible in the European Championships a couple of years ago. It just, it seems to be, England's teams don't typically do well, but when there tends to be disaster, it's normally a defender or a goalkeeper that kind of ends up drawing the short straw and ends up being the person who everyone takes their wrath out on. So, yeah, I really don't like the idea of Pickford going to the World Cup, having one mistake, and then he's just lambasted in the national media for months and months and months. I, I really don't like that. I mean, Pickford seems a very level-headed, mentally confident type of guy, so I don't really think that could get him down if that were to happen. Hopefully it doesn't, but if it's where, I think the guy has the confidence and the mental strength to kind of get over that and grow. But obviously, just from an Everton fan point of view, I don't want to see any of our players go there and have a bad time. You know, the World Cup's meant to be the, the pinnacle of a player's career. I really hope he goes there and he plays out of his skin and justifies basic Gareth Southgate's decision to play him over Butland because there's a lot of people in the country over here who don't think he should be the number one. I do, personally, mm. but and a lot of Evertonians do, but there's a lot of people who would rather see Butland. So, and as Terry said, part of you thinks, well, if if... If disaster's going to strike better, it happened to that guy than it happened to ours. But I, I'm I'm hopeful for for, for Pickford. I hope he. I think he's going to be there and, got, and be okay. Hopefully, and even if something terrible does happen, I'm, I'm I'm I think that he's strong enough to get over it. If it does happen, I don't think Pickford's the type of guy who would let a, would just let a terrible mistake in a World Cup if it were to happen. I must stress, if it were to happen, I don't think he's the type of guy to let that kill his career like a Robert Green did most noticeably mm. six years ago. So. Pickford, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for him, man. I, I, if Pickford starts the World Cup, which he, he probably will, he's the number one, but if Butland at any point gets in over him, I'll be very, very disple displeased for him because it, it did happen once. We started the 2010 World Cup with Green. One mistake, he was out. David James played the net the rest of the tournament. So if Jack Butland ends up at some point playing over Jordan Pickford, my interest in the England team goes right down the toilet. <laughs> Uh, I will agree with that. Uh, I maybe it's because I'm not from England and I haven't suffered the same like England national team heartache that you guys have, you know, suffered in terms of major tournaments sometimes. Because I hear like really, you know, sad stories where like, oh, we were we were we were gonna win and then it should have been a red card and it's not and it hurt really bad. It's a bunch of like really, but I actually think England's gonna be good. I, I actually think they're. I think they'll do well. I don't know they're going to win, but I actually think they're going to have a pretty good showing this time round. I, I don't know. I, and and Pickford seems like the kind of guy who just doesn't care. You know, he yeah. doesn't seem like the kind of guy who lets the pressure get to him. It's like he throws on his rave music and just <laughs> pushes it out. He doesn't get. I just. I love that about him. That's all. What was that? He doesn't get bogged down with the kind of no. the expectations. Yeah. The, the complete opposite of Joe Hart. I mean, Joe Hart would yeah. look like he wants to fight somebody in the tournament, and he got a lot of criticism for that guy. People saying he was too worked up. But as I, I can think, Pickford, if Pickford, if England went out the World Cup, I think Pickford would just be like 
a lot of Evertonians would be like, right, that's done. Back home to Finch Farm. Let's just crack on with the season. Mm. Maybe, maybe, maybe he maybe he absolutely loves England and he would break his heart if something happens. But I think, mm. as I reiterated, I think no matter what happens with this tournament of England, whether they go the tournament to the final and win, or whether they go out because of a calamity, I think Pickford will come back from the World Cup absolutely fine, no matter what happens. Mm. Yeah, I, I feel pretty confident for the guy. I'm nervous for him. I definitely get you guys being worried for him. I do agree with that in terms of being nervous for him. But at the same time, I just think he's just that guy who, who's like, he's so young and he's just like, whatever, I'm playing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm here to play. You know, it's just, I don't know. That's the vibe I get from him. So this, I hope it doesn't get to him. This is the first tournament where England have sort of, they've gone with a, they, they seem like they've gone with the mentality of most other countries where it's not a massive media circus. We need to win this tournament. We should win this tournament. They're just sort of going to go. They've got a young team. A lot of players aren't even. They've got only a few caps. Haven't been some. Haven't even been capped at all. And they're going with a sort of. I don't want to say pressure free, but a sort of a more relaxed sort of mentality. Like, well, no one thinks we're going to win it anyway. So let's just go and show what we can do. We're a, we're a young group. There's not many if any, old players, apart from maybe Gary Cale. So it could be that we've seen the the younger sort of age brackets England teams doing really well recently as well, like Calvert-Lewin, for mm-hmm. example, um, scored the, the goal to win his age class as World Cup. Um, Kieran Dahl did the same. So it it could go right the way up. And I'm not suggesting England will win the World Cup because they won't. But they could, they, could surpri- <laughs> they could surprise a few. They could go and say, well... This is what we can do. We've got a different mentality this time, a different sort of attitude, a different setup, different formation. Everything just will 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 prove people wrong because nobody's given them a chance this time. Whereas every other World Cup and every other tournament, the mentality sort of been like, well, we should win this, so we should be close to winning it. Whereas this time it's like, oh, they're no good. So they could work in their favour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway, I I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say one thing. I would say is one thing I like about England is this time around they're being the manager they have. It's sort of in a lot of tournaments when England go to the World Cup, it feels like how we how we perform in the World Cup is basically going to define how that manager is remembered. I mean, Hodgson had his entire career on the line when he took over England. Capello, Capello will always have the successes from the nineties, but. Again, he was sort of viewed as a joke after what happened with England. Oh, guy washed up, shouldn't have, shouldn't have hired him in the first place. It seems the case of no matter what happens, Gareth Southgate is not going to really be damaged. What happens, and I think the pressure that Southgate, because Southgate himself realizes that he's not under pressure, that's kind of trickled down to the players. So it's like, right, well, what's the worst that can happen? If we get beat, we get beat. So what? We've been beat hundred times. Nobody's going to laugh at us any worse than they've already laughed at us. It's not going to ruin Gareth Southgate's chances of ever managing again like it did with Roy Hodgson I mean he's with you know he's with Crystal Palace now but he's there to basically just salvage the remains of his managerial reputation really isn't he Capello I don't think really managed seriously again after England Sven-Gorn Eriksson didn't really do anything I mean so it just feels like because there's so much pressure that's not on Southgate Southgate himself has handled the situation so well I think that's kind of trickled down to players including Pickford and they are feeling as relaxed as he is sort of thing. So I think that, again, I think England will be okay. I think England will get out the groups pretty pretty easily. I, I, I don't see, see them beat, finishing above Belgium, but I think they'll get out the group and if they get a decent draw, I can see them making the quarterfinals. And as I said, I really hope Pickford plays a massive part in any success England has. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so we could do a whole segment just on Pickford in England, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. But uh, because there's a cap on time here, uh, Idrissa Gay starts for Senegal. Mm. Uh, he'll probably play almost all of their games, I would say, almost every minute of their games. Uh, we know how good he is. He'll be there. Um, uh, we know he's a strong player. Yeah. You know, uh, I just don't foresee Senegal going super far. Hopefully not. I, I just I just don't. Uh, <laughs> I additionally don't see Iceland going super far either with Gilfie Sigurdsson. Um they're just I see them as, you know, I feel like we, we they they took us by storm mm-hmm. uh at the Euros and I feel like this time we're going to see them coming uh in terms of the rest of the world. I don't I feel like I I don't I I actually don't think they're going to get out of the first round. Uh, I don't even think they're going to get to the knockouts, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, those two guys there, I mean, Gilfie's the most important player to Iceland. Yeah. He is their playmaker. He is their set-piece genius. I mean, I mean, it's cool that we have three impact players. I just wish we had more than three. I, I just, I, I'm very, very worried that Garner Gay is going to end up getting some sort of serious injury and miss the start of the season. That's why I really. Um, you guys are making me worry about that now. I'm super worried about these injuries. When, when during Gay's first season, when he went to the African Cup of Nations and he went over there for about a month, when he was our player of the season before he went, I was biting my fingernails, thinking he's going to yeah. break his ankle, he is going to catch some sort of crazy disease, he's going to get just get kidnapped, not turn up. Something is going to happen. It's just how Adams with Everton. The players who play really well, then they go to play for some, their country out of side of Everton's control, and it just all sort of just goes wrong. So I really hope Sigurdsson and especially Gay are home early. They do not go very far. Sorry to anyone who's Icelandic or Senegalese, but I just don't like the less our guys play out there, the less chance something terribly catastrophic like an injury can happen. So I mm-hmm. just get those guys back, get them ready in the preseason, get them ready for, for August. Terry, are you of the the same view on that? <laughs> no, 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 not quite as extreme <laughs> as that. I do understand it. I mean, we're all we're all selfish deep down. We all, we, you know, we'd love them to just get back fit and healthy for the first day of preseason. But I mean, my worry with I said I was worried about Pickford. It's not injuries. It's it, Pickford very oh, yeah. very different. Um, boat because of the national press and he has to come home to this country after the tournament and you know he's under the microscope mm-hmm. Sigurdsson and, and Ghana I'm fine with them doing well I, I actually think uh, Iceland are going to surprise people at this one obviously they're not going to be in the top four teams but I think they could be the Burnley of the World Cup I think just through hard work mm-hmm. organisation I think they could um, mm-hmm. they could really impress people because they did it at the Euros and it's not that long ago it's more or less the same team I'd love, hmm. I'd love both of them to do really well, to a point because they're not going to win it. They're not going to be right up till the end. They're not going to be coming back and with the season already started. But um, they both, well, especially Sigurdsson, he's a star for his country, and it's probably going to be how old is he? Twenty eight. More yeah. or less going to last World Cup. He'll be a veteran at the next World Cup if they even get to it because they're a very small country, and mm-hmm. this is the first one they've ever been to. This is his chance. This is his chance for Sigurdsson on the big World Cup stage. I really hope he absolutely blitzes it. And Garner Gay, 
I think he'll do what Garnegay does. He'll just run around tackling everything to death until the team, until he, until they tell him there's no more games to play. He'll just play with a smile on his face as not as ever. I hope those two do well. I obviously hope Pickford does well, but the only one I'm genuinely a little bit worried for is Pickford, and that's not from injuries. That's from press. Yeah, I think we could also do a whole separate segment on how, for some reason, the English press likes to uh, kind of make the national team nervous and kind of stew up controversy before the World Cup. I've never noticed it before, but I haven't really been examining it as closely as I have this time. That's a whole separate segment we could do about that. Anyway, so we will move on then from the Everton players. Who's your golden boot winner for this uh, 2018 World Cup? Terry, you want to start? Lionel Messi. It's his. Who's he? <laughs> it's an uh... <laughs> from a little unknown club that play in Catalonia <laughs> I think it's his his year it's his much like uh, age wise with Sigurdsson the next World Cup he'll be a veteran player and not at the peak of his powers mm. anymore but multiply that to the nth degree because it's Lionel Messi I think this is the one mm. where he says right this is my time I'm on a different planet to any player who's here I'm going. I'm. I'm going to try and win this World Cup, and I'm going to try and win this Golden mm. Boot. So it's a very obvious choice, but it isn't at the same time because he's not really performed to his normal level for Argentina mm. or any tournament. But I think this is the one where he'll just go. Forget the rest of you guys. I'll do it myself. So I think Lionel Messi. Gotcha, Paul. Golden Boot winner. It's a choice between two: Neymar or Griezmann, France. because. Ah. I, I think Neymar will depend on how Brazil do, because if Brazil are kind of just the Neymar show, like they were four years ago, I mean, a lot of people were picking them to win four years ago in their own country, and then the moment they lost him and they had to play Germany in the semi-final, we also mm. happened. Really. They, they felt that they weren't even a team. Well, Neymar. Now they're a bit, they're better now, but I think it depends if. Brazil gets its act together and they go right to the latter stages. I could see Neymar scoring a lot of goals along the way. But I just, I really think it's the time of Griezmann. I think Griezmann's had mm. a brilliant last two, three years. He's just won the Europa League with Atletico. He was in the Champions League final the year before that. Big, big story that he's about to leave Atletico for a Barcelona or Manchester United. I think just, mm-hmm. I think Griezmann is in the absolute peak of his powers right now. And I can see Griezmann scoring at least a dozen goals and possibly taking them all the way to the trophy. So I, I think it's between mm. Griezmann and Neymar. I would probably just lean towards Griezmann because I just feel I can I can just picture France winning it a little bit more than I can Brazil. So I would lean towards Antonio Griezmann. I don't. I will say this: I do not think Argentina will go very far at all. I think Argentina will go out mm. before the, the semis. I just don't. Wow. I just don't. I don't look at that team and I think. I just think there's. I don't think that team's particularly strong. I mean, maybe they could surprise us. Maybe if Messi. As we said, Teddy was saying, if Messi just turns it on and we see the Messi that we know he's capable of being, then we could see that. But I, Argentina, I just no, I, mm. I, I do not. Argentina, I, I do not see it at all. Them, them even making the semi final. I think they will go out quite not early, but not. They will mm. not get very far, in my opinion, personally. My Golden Boot winner, Suarez, at Uruguay. Um, Saying that because it seems like his group is not very strong. His group looks kind of weak. 
and I think Uruguay looks really good. I'm kicking myself for kicking for picking a former red. Uh, I don't do that uh, with good conscience. I'll just go ahead and tell you, I, I'm, I'm very conflicted in my soul. But I don't know. I just think they have a lot. They have just a lot of talent on that team. It's a good mix of uh, veteran players and youth. Um, and I just think Suarez is the guy. I don't know. Uh, Messi's teammate. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, whether or not that happens, we'll see. Um, uh, the only thing that gives me pause about that is I think a lot of the teams in Group A park the bus often. They play very defensive. Uh, so I think that may hurt his chances a bit. Um, so, guys, who's your underdog success story? You know, uh, the team that maybe people aren't really, you know, not a traditional powerhouse that may make a little bit more of a dent than expected. All right, let's start with Paul this time. It might seem obvious, and I don't know if you could class them as underdogs, given what they've just achieved, but I don't seem to, I don't see a lot of people talking about them as possible winners Portugal. Mm. They're a very organised outfit. They've a lot of the players that won two years ago are still there. Mm-hmm. They Ronaldo looks as good as ever. I mean, again, I I don't think they'll go all the way and win, but I don't see any reason why they can't go far in the mm-hmm. tournament. They they know how to park the bus, but they know how to do it effectively. They know how to just sort of bog teams down. Mm-hmm. They know how to take their moments when they get them. They I think they had what like. A shot, one shot on target when they won the final in France. Mm. That one guy who won it in extra time for them, and they did it without Ronaldo for the vast majority of the game. I just don't. I don't think Portugal, as reigning European champions, are getting enough respect as they deserve. I think I, I, I'm, Portugal are just a team that are so well organised. They've got one or two superstar players still in their pomp. They've got a lot, a lot of other players who work hard and are willing to stay in the background and let the superstars get all the attention. I just think Portugal are a team that don't sleep on them. Mm. I would, I think Portugal deserve a lot more respect than what they're getting. Okay. Terry, who's your, uh, your underdog that people aren't really, uh, people aren't really talking about. You think can go farther, further than expected. <laughs> um, I'm going to say Mexico. Mm. Um, because Mex- Mexico tend to get underestimated a lot. They always beat Brazil, they always beat Argentina. They've got some good players like Lozano, who uh, we're linked with. He's a superstar over there. Now, I, don't get me wrong, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna win the World Cup, but I wouldn't I would not be I would not take them lightly. I think they're I think they're an excellent team, and people underestimate them based on their name, not on how good they are, because they beat bigger and better teams. Mexico got some crazy record. Like they haven't got past the round of last sixteen in like 30, 40 years. Is that right? I actually don't know that. I mean, they're, they've been. I think they've been to so many World Cups. They've been at pretty much nearly every one. I think. Mm-hmm. But they've got like I remember reading something on ESPN. I think it was they have a really strange record where they tend to get out the group, but then they don't go any further than wow. that. And they've done that at pretty much every World Cup in recent memory. I'm pretty sure that's true. I read that so. It's sort of their whole World Cup is based around whether they can beat this jinx mm-hmm. that they've got. Can they win? They must knock out football in the World Cup. They tend to get through the groups, but when it gets to the last 16, they sort of, no matter who they play, even if they play a team that they should beat on paper, they just seem to not, they seem to just have a mental breakdown like England. Mexico, by the way, Mexico, if they finish second in their group, if Germany finishes first in their group and Mexico finishes second, Mexico would play Brazil in the the opening game of the knockout round. So that 
I that honestly would be an awesome game to watch. But yeah, awesome. it'd, be, it'd yeah. be tough for them to overcome that record that you're mentioning if that is if that is true. I know a lot about Mexico. I've Pretty seen sure. them a lot because they're in our they're in Concacaf. Mm-hmm. So we they're like our nemesis or one of our our nemeses. Yeah. Uh, they're great though, and I actually don't have the rivalry with them that a lot of American supporters do. I I like I like watching Mexican League football. I like watching that. Uh, I genuinely I like I like Mexico's team, and I like Lozano, and I hope he I hope he comes to us. He's a sharp little player. So yeah, that's a good that's a good that's a good call. Uh, I'll be curious if they get past that. Get past the uh, the opening game of the second round, though of the knockout round, because um, it's a tough draw for them, I think. Um, mm-hmm. My, I wrote two team, two countries down for my underdog success. I feel like no one's talking about Serbia, and I I was looking on paper at the players they have, and they just have a lot, a lot of talent. Kolarov. Uh, Disco Tosic, uh, Marko Grujic, uh, Nemanja Matic, Sergei Milinkovic Savic, who is an amazing player, Dusan Tadvic, uh, Alexander Mitrovic. I mean, they just have a lot of players that, that are kind of, I mean, I know the big one that I've heard most about is Milinkovic Savic, who I think United are really trying to sign right now. Uh, just better players than I expected. I had no idea all the all these players that I have heard of from various leagues uh, around Europe. Uh, some of them are kind of past their prime, I would say, but there's some that are, I don't know, I just think it's a stronger team, but I don't think, the problem is if they get out of their group and if they're second, they play Germany in that round, and I don't think they're getting past Germany. Um, but in the other team I wrote down, Morocco. Uh, they look they look strong. They won the African Cup of Nations mm-hmm. uh, the, in the final. They won 4 0. Okay? This is just a, a really entertaining squad to watch. Um, they're in the group with Spain and Portugal, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And that's a tough, that's a, it's not easy to get out of that one. But I, I, could, see, I could see Morocco finding a way out of that group. Just saying, mm-hmm. they are—they're better than advertised. I think mm-hmm. uh, people are sleeping on them. So, lastly, who's your World Cup champs, guys? Uh, let's see here. I think did we go Terry first last time, and now we go to now we go to Paul. Yeah, um, my World Cup pick. I wouldn't be surprised if Spain managed it. You know, I think those that team—it's—it's it's a lot older now. There's a, and there's a lot of new talent coming through. But I think a lot of those old alumni. Like Ramos mm-hmm. and Iniesta, and I think Busquets is still involved with Spain. Mm-hmm. I think those guys have still got one last epic run in them type thing. I would not be surprised if Spain went all the way and managed it. And they've got a lot of other great players as well that haven't really played a part at the previous championships, but they're absolutely brilliant Champions League level players. Coque for Atletico Madrid, Isco, um, Diego Costa, I think, is still their number nine, is he? They've got Morata as well. And I know Morata had a bit of a bad time at Chelsea, but Morata's still a goal scorer when you need him to be. And I just really, and De Gea in goal, obviously. I think Spain are a team that have just got one last great hurrah in them. I really do. I, I think Spain might just shade it. Or if not them, I think France are the obvious favourites. But 
I would really like Spain, man. I, I think Spain could go all the way, honestly. I know we were talking about that off camera last week, and I thought that's a really fair shout. I was just looking past them repeatedly. And, yeah, uh, they are, they're still Spain, you know, and there's no reason why they can't run this. Uh, Terry, who's your pick? Uh, Germany, easy. Um, I honestly, much like Real Madrid in the Champions League final, I just think they've got the experience. They've got winners in every position. There's good, there's some good other teams, like France are another obvious one. France have got a great team, but I just think when it when it comes down to it, Germany have still got... Germany can make three good starting 11s with their players. They can make a good 11 with their standby players. Mm. And it's not all about the, this quality all throughout the tournament, but there's not winning experience all throughout the tournament. They know how to win World Cups. I think this will be Germany's year. Again, much like when um, France and won the World Cup and then they won the Euros straight after. Same with Spain a little bit later on. Okay, Germany didn't win the Euros, but I think Germany will win back-to-back World Cups before this, this team of theirs breaks up. And then in... 10, 20 years, you'll talk about the Germany team of this era just because there was bigger stars out at the time, but they were they were a team of winners. The Real Madrid last year, I think, is the perfect comparison. They weren't, on paper, the best team on the, in the tournament, but they knew how to win the tournament, mm. and they did. Yeah, I, I picked Germany as well, uh, mainly because watching them play, what was the Confederations Cup? I believe that was in mm-hmm. Russia as well. Chile was there. Mexico was there. Uh, and Chile and Mexico brought their strongest squads. And Germany brought like mm-hmm. a second or third string, you know. And Germany looked just the strongest out of all of them. And that wasn't even their their yeah. first team. It's just sickening how their system works, how they just, they constantly, one player's out, they just fill in with another one. It's just, it's so well run. Uh, yeah. I, I just can't, I, I, I don't like, I feel like it's a boring pick. It's such a boring pick, you know? It's, I, I'm not a fan of picking the one that I feel like everybody else is picking, but it's, I told myself in the beginning when I saw how Germany's been doing, and I don't care how their most recent friendly went, you know, if I if yeah. I thought that, then I would say France definitely isn't going to do well because they just tied the U.S. Okay, they just drew with the U.S. I, you know, but they're I mean France is sickeningly talented too. I just think they don't go together like, you know, piece together like a machine the way Germany does. It's interlocking pieces. One goes out, another can come in. Uh, I don't know. That's the way I got. That's what I got to go with. I told myself I wouldn't flip flop on this, so I'm going to stick with it. Uh, <laughs> so um, our sweepstakes, uh, and I was I was skyping with John when he used the website to be able to assign different countries to all of our different uh, uh, YouTube podcast personalities, but also our writers for the Top Blues website. So here's. Here's how it ended up. Uh, John, with the Toffee Blues website, who was doing the, the actual sweepstake, got Germany. Thanks. Funny how that works, John. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> and then immediately right out the gate, I follow it with Nigeria. 
So my my you got the best got the best jersey, I, man, I, at least. I do have some the the, the hipster pick for let's go buy a new yeah. new kit. You know what I mean? Uh, Max had Spain, right? Which I think he's pr- pretty okay with. I, I think he I think Max is picking Germany by the way as well. Um, David got Denmark, and apparently he got Denmark in another pool as well. So that that happens. Uh, Tom, who has appeared on our on our video, I think a couple weeks ago, but he also writes for the website. Got Saudi Arabia. So that's a tough that's a tough one because I think they switched managers like really recently, and it's not an easy thing for them. Uh, Edward got Belgium, which if you know Edward, this is so Edward. Belgium is so Edward. All right, just saying. It's it's a long conversation why, but yeah, it matches him. Uh, Paul Costa Rica. Mm, they're wa- they're best teams. They're worst teams. Obviously, they're, 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 they're a decent outfit. Like, they've got some good play- they've got some good players, and as Terry's just said, they've got Brian Oviedo. So how can you hate Costa Rica? Yeah, because he's like the nicest guy in the world. You it know, is, yeah. I still I'm gonna follow that guy forever because I'm just like ah. Oh. Uh, me too. <laughs> me too, man. Uh, Jacob, who writes for the uh, the Topic Blues website, got England, which is a good. I, I think that's a good pick. Just saying, I I've got faith. Uh, Thomas, uh, who uh, has been writing stories for the the Topic Blues website, got Peru, which is a solid pick. Now that they've got their uh, their star striker reinstated for the World Cup. So that's a thing. Um, Terry, you have Iceland. Who who noticed Terry was talking about Iceland earlier, and he he got Iceland, so that works out well. Are you okay with that? Yeah, and uh, much like David, I also got Iceland in a work sweep, so I seem to be a uh, seem to be destined to get Iceland. But yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> right on. And uh, Paul F got Australia. Okay, so guys. Uh, just to quickly, uh, just just very quickly, uh, I don't think Nigeria is going to get out of their group. Okay, Paul, do you think Costa Rica is going to get out of their group? Probably not. I mean, I've watched them in the friendlies. They played England, and then they've played Belgium, and they've looked quite poor mm-hmm. in both games, especially against. I mean, they took the lead against Belgium, but then they just got blown away. And they've got one or two good players. They've got Navas. They've got mm-hmm. Joel Campbell from Arsenal got Oviedo clearly but other than that I, I don't see it mm. personally I mean I, I just don't think they've got the firepower gotcha Terry Iceland get out of their group um who knows I mean I just <laughs> love the story of of Iceland to be honest they're the smallest country to ever play in the World Cup population wise mm-hmm. I mean the I think it's like something like 300,000 330,000 people there which is for a country like ridiculous, like it's like the. I looked. I saw a fact that if you, the entire population of Iceland was in a city, then in the US it's the be the fifty seventh smallest and um, biggest city. So it wouldn't even make the top fifty cities. Wow. So, so the fact that they can even get to a World Cup is unbelievable. I, I I just love their story. I want them to do so well. Whether they will, who knows? Iceland is sort of the chic pick for a lot of uh, US football fans who will be yeah. watching. They They're like the clap. Yeah, they love the yeah. clap. The Viking clap does so much. And actually, there's certain teams like throughout America. And, yeah, they're doing it too. So 
That's a thing. I mean, I'll, I like... I no point about huh? so, no Icelanders. Can you believe they don't have a single professional football club? Iceland don't have a single professional football club at wow. all. So none of those players who are from Iceland play in Iceland. They've all had to just go abroad to achieve their dreams. Jeez. I think I think they've got like you can probably count on your fingers the amount of actual football pitches they actually have for people to, to train on, like academies and things like that. There's it's so tiny, there's nothing there. It's fascinating. No football clubs, no no pitches. All these players who are clearly Iceland boys all had to go abroad when they were teenagers just to even have a shot wow. of becoming a footballer, just because there's no place to develop. Mm -hmm. Even than that, so it would be a great story. It would be great for the country if they could have some success, as Teddy's saying. But I, I, I don't see it personally. Not unless Skilfy steals the show. So no, it, Argentina and Croatia in their group. I, I can see them. Yeah. It's getting out of the group. But you never know. Croatia could have a bad tournament. I mean, Argentina. I mean, one of the big teams is going to have to. Uh, yeah, there's always a big flop, isn't there? Big disaster. So maybe, but uh, they'd be they'd do really well to get out of that group. Yeah. So, uh, guys, I guess that's it for our World Cup preview. I have Paul and Terry here, and we're going to talk about Kuman's best signing. It seems a little arbitrary, but we thought it would be a good conversation. All right, so... Uh, I'm going to give the list of all of the signings we made during Kuman's tenure at Everton. Okay, and I just have to start because it's the place to start. Uh, Jordan Pickford from Sunderland for around 25 million. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm assuming that's going to go up because of performance-based uh, escalators. But yeah, there's that. Uh, just a gay from Villa was about nine million pounds, which in hindsight, holy crap, that is a steal. <laughs> that is so good. Um, and these are in no particular order now from now on. Uh, Sandro Ramirez from Malaga for 5.2 million, which should have been a really good deal. Might still be. It might, we never know. Never know what will happen this summer. You're right. Uh, Michael Keane from Burnley for $25 million, and that one could rise, I believe, um, based, on, based on how much we use him. Uh, Man, Wayne, Wayne Rooney from Man U on a free, kind of a free, you know what I mean? It was one of those things where it was we, we agreed to take, to make the, I don't know, we agreed on something on the Lukaku signing to be able to say that we got Wayne for free, but whatever. Um, Kuka Martina from Southampton on a free. <laughs> uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson from Swansea for 45 million uh, Niko Vlasic from uh, Hijack Split for 10 million uh, Ashley Williams from Swansea for about 12 million it, to, supposedly it was undisclosed but the fee was believed to be around 12 million uh, Yannick Bolasi from Palace that was $25 million, but I think it was possible it could... People are always say it's $30 million, but I don't mm. think he met those criteria for it to go up. Yeah. Uh, so I think it was $25. Uh, I'm not going to count Inter Valencia on loan. No. That doesn't really make sense to me. 
Animal Lookman from Charlton for 11 million, which that fee was actually more than I remembered. Mm. Uh, Morgan Schneiderlin from Man U for around 24 million. I think it could go up to 24, I think is what it was. Stecklenburg from Fulham for undisclosed. And DCL from Sheffield, Sheffield United for only 1.5 million, which actually has, has already paid off, to be honest. David Clausen from IX for around 23 million, give or take. Um, so uh, rank your top three. Uh, yeah, and and I'll, you can take things into consideration with things like how much they've played, how much mm-hmm. they cost, things like that, and how much uh, we may be able to sell them for later. So, uh, anybody want to go first? Uh, yeah, go ahead, Terry. Terry's on it. Top three: uh, Idrissa Garnagay, number one; Jordan Pickford, number two; and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, number three. Um, Garnagay. For the price we got him, in fact, I think it was lower than nine. I think it was like seven point two, so maybe rising to nine. Mm. That, that is that is for a song in the the way yeah. money's gone now. So, yeah, there's limits to his game. He's not he, he's not the best on the ball. He's not going to drive forwards. He's not going to split the defence. But for what he does, he is the most like for like the closest player in the league in this league anyway to N'Golo Kante, who mm-hmm. was the the key player. For Leicester when they won the league, it just again I, I I'm astonished that other teams haven't tried to buy him off us already, like much bigger teams. Like I think he gets into more or less every team above us, apart from Man City, obviously, and Chelsea mm-hmm. because they have Angolo Kante. But I think Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United, I think he could play for any of them. He's he's a machine for what he does. Pickford speaks for himself. He's England's number one. We paid the fair rate for him seems a lot of the time, but not now. I'll keep it for a long, long time, hopefully. Fantastic. He's only going to get better. He, he Not only is he a good shot stopper, he commands the area. He, he's like a leader on the pitch. And Calvert-Lewin, considering how much we paid for him and how much we've relied on him and how much we've used him, we've, we've relied on him a little bit too much, to be honest. It's not. It's been We've been quite unfair with him, I think. He probably could have done with a little bit more protection, especially earlier this season when there was no other strikers that we could turn to apart from Nias. He's he's helped us out so much. I wasn't the biggest fan when he when he first came in. I couldn't see what Koeman saw in him, but then as time went on, mm-hmm. he's he's turned into one of the most useful players. Again, same as as uh, Drissa Gay. There's parts of his game he needs to improve, but for the price we got him and how much we've and how much he's been crucial to us in whilst Koeman was here, he's definitely one of the top three buys for me. Gotcha. All right. So, what do you think, Paul? I'll go slightly. I'll, I'll use my rationale slightly different. I'll I'll rank them in terms of I think the players I think are going to make the most contribution whilst they're here in the future is what not only what they've done so far. Number one, I would say Luckman. I think Luckman has the the highest ceiling of any player or a Cuban board. He's going to be. I think if he's used properly, if he's coached properly, and if he's protected properly, I think that kid is going to be the next Sterling. I think that kid is immense. I'd be I'm really, really happy that it looks like he's not going to go out the door. Brandon seems very keen on getting him back in the folds, getting him back in the first team next season. I think Luckman is going to be an absolutely immense player, and I think it was a, a really good piece of business for the club to get him in whilst he was young. And Because I'm just so excited for that kid's future, I really am. I, I really hope that there's some really great times ahead for Evan, and Luckman's going to be centre to it. Number two, I'd say Pickford for 
the reasons Terry listed. He's the established England number one now. Saved us more times than I can count last season. You know, we'd have been a lot lower down, the, much deeper in trouble had it not been for Pickford. So what a buy he's been worth every single penny we bought him. And he's going to hopefully be prove his weight in goals even more in the future to come. And number three, I would go for... I, I think Michael Keane. You know, I think Keane had a bad first season. There's no dispute in that. But I think Keane showed enough, enough quality that with the right centre-back partner next to him and with a bit more better coaching and a bit more nurturing, I think Keane could still play a massive part in Everton's future. We paid a lot of money for him, but I still think the raw qualities are there for Michael Keane to have a very successful Everton career so and play a massive part in any success we go for. So that's how I'm ranking my top three buys. The players who I think are going to have the most positive impact on our future going forward. Luckman, number one. Pickford, number two. And I hope he doesn't let me down because I know a lot of people don't like him. A lot of people would like to see him leave, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Michael Keane. I think Michael Keane will be a great player for Everton going forward. I, I really hope so. I think he's got it in his locker to do to be it. Okay, my, my list is kind of a, a com combination between the two of your lists. All right. Number three, uh, I've got Adam Ole-Lookman. Because uh, I think he may move up that list based on how he performs the next couple seasons and if yeah. he stays. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think there's just, there is a lot of potential there. And I would agree with you. The potential for me is worth him sitting at number three. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, number two, I've got Adrissa Gay yeah. because we literally uh, <laughs> emptied our pockets of all our pocket change and bought him which is crazy yeah. how inexpensive he was. It's ridiculous. We get someone with those kind of statistics. It's just insane. And he's just always on. And you know what? He doesn't get hurt that often. He's just yeah. really yeah. good value. Oh, gosh. Wood. Wood. There we go. So, and uh, and my number one, uh, Pickford. Because if he's if he's good for staying... Uh, I could see him being here uh, for another seven years, you know, yeah. even longer. If he's fine, if we if we can somehow, if our club can progress to where we're getting Champions League repeatedly, I don't think he would have as much of a desire to leave, you know. Yeah. He, it, so uh, that's the thing. Pickford will Pickford and Gay will depend a lot on how long they stay, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but for now, I just think they add those two players add more to our team when you balance that with their potential moving forward. So anyway, so yeah, for, uh, so for me, Kuman's best signing was Pickford for Paul Kuman's best signing was Adamola Lookman. And for Terry Kuman's best signing was Adrissa Ghana gay. I actually thought we were all going to say the same stuff. That's awesome. All right. <laughs> Good things. Right, so, uh, so yeah, so that's it for uh, our Cummins Best Signing segment. And that's also it for the big show. If you're listening via podcast, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Uh, please subscribe to the Toffee Blues podcast and rate it if you can. You know, also leave us a kind review. Say, I like hearing the brothers. You know, they, they complement each other. As in, one says one thing, one says something completely different, but they both make sense. See how that works? That'd be a kind review. Please do it. Uh, also, uh, subscribe to uh, the Toffee Blues on YouTube because we're nearing. Uh, let's see, we've got about eight thirty subs. We're we're slowly trucking toward uh, toward a thousand, and that would be awesome. 
leave us a like, leave us a comment, uh, tell us what you think about all this stuff we're, that we're talking about. Who's Kuman's best signing? What do you think? When August comes around, you should check out Terry and Paul on the Liverpool Echo Fan Jury. They'll be on there every fortnight, I believe, uh, writing, giving their analysis of the Blues. So check them out there. And in the meantime, you can also find uh, Paul's analysis on the Toffee Blues website. And while you're there, check out all the Toffee Blue stories. Okay, there's a lot of analysis on there. All things Everton. There's some good stuff there from a lot of different viewpoints. Uh, check out the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. That's all I got. I'm done plugging. I think we're, I think we're good to go, guys. Thanks so much for uh, for joining, uh, Terry. Welcome, man. It's thanks a great first recording session. Been a pleasure. Yeah. Love talking to you guys. You are very different. You are brothers and very different. That is. Reminds me of my, my, me and my brother are more polar opposites. So, yeah, you guys aren't that different. <laughs> anyway, thanks a lot. Thanks a bunch, guys. We really appreciate it. Okay, great to talk to you. Great to talk to you. All right, guys, a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, anyway, World Cup. Go, everybody that's not the U.S. All right, bye. <laughs>